Does everybody know what time it is? Time to use stepping stones to catch the last train to Clarksville on this Pleasant Valley Sunday to see Valerie. Hey, hey, it's grunt work. down the street. We get the funniest Apple Podcasts reviews from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we host grunt work. Some people say we (laughs) grunt work around, but we're too busy podcasting to put anybody down. Well, okay, that part's not true, but it is true that you're listening to Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that has hidden and subsequently forgotten gifts for you all over your podcast app. I'm your host, Truman, the Check Out My Massive Junk drawer man caps and with me as always is my co-host landon the paint stripper man solano uh and and landon welcome to the podcast i didn't think of anything to say after that awesome intro (laughs) i also am a little uh speechless after that okay well great so anyway folks it's been fun entertaining you with this one minute of podcast we'll see you next week wow Uh, yeah um it feels weird i'm just gonna launch right into it um I don't have any preamble for home improvement stuff this week, except uh, that it feels weird to be back weekly. Like, I feel like we're covering a lot. Like, I feel like I just watched an episode of Home Improvement and turn around and watch another episode of Home Improvement. Well, I think part of that may be because we had to compress our recording schedule slightly this week. So it's only been a couple days. Also, it's even more for me because I (laughs) finished editing last week's episode and sent it to you. Immediately watched this week's episode, made notes about it, and am recording tonight. So, I mean, I am I am. It's been a big home improvement day for you. It it really had. It's been a big home improvement day, and yet my apartment is still in shambles. So many, uh, so many uh, nail holes in the walls. So many screens falling <laughs> off the windows. Uh, folks, it's just terrible. But yeah, no, it is it home is improvement jokes. Good to be back. You know what? I think I think they never I think they never get old. Jokes about the fact that we neither of us knows how to swing a hammer. I think it's also interesting <laughs> that we have done. I guess I guess our most recent episode was not a Beach Boys oriented episode, but no. in the space of three episodes, there have been two episodes that have kind of laser targeted at well, to varying degrees, involved uh, 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 youth oriented Beatles competitors, <laughs> homegrown in the United States. I mean, first first the Beach Boys, now in this episode, another group that had a tie in TV show. Fuck it, it's the monkeys. We're talking about the monkeys some in this episode. So if you were about to turn off the podcast, but then you uh, you were a big fan of uh, uh, Davy Jones at all, well now you're gonna now you're gonna keep listening till the end. Uh, I I happen to love the monkeys, particularly their later work when they're like realized that they started as a parody and then became a thing and then hated the thing that they became because they started out skewering the thing that they would become. Mm -hmm. And then they ended up making like movie head, which is a (laughs) monkey's movie, but also like a very fucked up, weird uh, drug trip of a movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love, I, yeah, I love that it kind of happened. Both, both the Beach Boys and the Monkees. It was like whenever America tried to make a wholesome doo-woppy, well, not do, but a wholesome rock band with all American values, it takes a matter <laughs> of years for them to really suddenly devolve into doing weird shit and lots of drugs yeah. and experimenting. I, I think that's well, I, and know. I don't want to get too, too monkey heavy on this episode because uh, it's only a small little portion, but um. Uh, why don't we just, oh, I guess I should mention as well, uh, I'm still pet sitting this week, so we might have an appearance by our new co-host uh, for the week uh, I, at some point tonight. Look, I, I think I think that the only reason I'm concerned about that is that people might start liking the cat in the background going, <laughs> more than they like us waxing poetical I mean, about only, home improvement for an hour natural. and 40 minutes. Yeah, it's I, only natural. Yeah, look, I know we weren't going to talk about the Beach Boys anymore, but y'all want to hear about some pet sounds. Keep listening uh, to Landon here. Uh, And speaking of keep listening, uh, at the end of this episode in our post-amble, I have an update on our Chalupa Challenge. Oh, yes. uh, Keep listening for that. A little bit of foreshadowing. And I am going to keep listening because last night Landon was texting me about Chalupa Challenge stuff and then said, oh, I've got an idea. I'll let you know before we start recording. And only now that we're recording do I realize he didn't tell me what the (laughs) idea is. So I'm going to be learning what the plan is at the same time as Landon. And we're all on the edge of our, our seats here, folks. <laughs> okay. Yep. But Landon. Yeah. This week we and did. every week, we watched an episode of Home Improvement. And even though I watched the episode not that long ago, I was wondering if uh-huh. you could tell me what happened. Sure. Here it goes. Great. <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming up. And is. Tim is prepared. He bought Jill's gift back in July. Only he forgot what it was. And where he and where he put it. So when he receives a message from someone he thinks he used to go to college with, he doesn't acknowledge that it could have anything to do with the gift because it doesn't. It turns out to be the mother of someone he went to school with, someone who is very close with his father, a little too close for Tim's comfort. Or maybe not. Listen, <laughs> this episode... <laughs> Goes in ways. Uh, it, w- I'll get to my personal reflections in a minute. Yeah, I have thoughts. Yes, um, I do too. Truman, do you want to guess that title? I do want to guess that title. Um, three options. Uh, okay. First. Okay, I'm actually going to say two out of three of these won't make sense to you, audience members, at first, but in time they will. First option: monkey business. Okay. We are really overstating the role that the monkeys play in this episode. Just really, but I think, I think, look, when you've been watching the show as long and as hard (laughs) as we have, you need to grab on, grab a tight hold of anything in it that is weird or out of the ordinary or makes you think of another thing that you like. Hence monkeys. Okay. Second, an affair to forget. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 100%. 100 percent wow well thank you You, yeah that's not only do i love an affair to remember the movie but uh i think that is just a really really good uh description of this episode i i would agree i would agree i that's that's why i cobbled together that title and third option piano man Eh? the piano man because of the thing that they talk about in the last scene the 
Oh. Candleman. Yeah, see there? Now you get it. I'm that, like, there was... Yeah. Uh, okay. Got it. I mean, um, it's, I mean, it, there's no Billy Joel stuff in this episode. This was this, no, there's some no. piano stuff in this episode. And th- that title, I'm not gonna lie, was uh, it made me rethink my my kudos to you on the previous one. So wait, wait this one sucked so much that you're gonna drag <laughs> down my other two. Wow, you gotta separate the I, you art from the artist. Your, <laughs> you're the one doing all the work here. I'm just the judge. I'm just uh, quietly passing judgment from across the country. Oh, man, uh, look, I'm. Uh, I, is it because there's even less piano content than there is monkeys content? There's I don't know. So little piano content that I had no clue what you were talking about for a moment. Landon, this episode didn't give me a lot to work with. I'm just, I'm just gonna say <laughs> okay, it right now. Okay. But speaking of not giving us much to work with. Actually, yeah. I guess we should we should talk about the title first, but we should finish this segment before we move on to the next segment. I think so. Um, okay, this is um, a play on a song from the Great American Songbook. Uh, that's about all I can give you without giving it away. Okay, a play on the song from the Great American Songbook. Um, uh... Is it, it wouldn't be let's misbehave because they're, wait, is it, <laughs> I mean, ain't misbehaving, but ain't, God, this is no, the, pr- you're, you're on the wrong track. Yeah, I'm on the wrong track. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say what's, it's, what's, what is the, uh, the holiday in this episode? Valentine's. Oh, my funny Valentine, but it's not. But it's a play on that. My Thule Valentine. Ain't not misbehaving. That's what it is. It's ain't not misbehaving. It is a funny Valentine. A funny Valentine. Is it E-H? Like like the Canadian style? A. Nope, it is. Gabagool. A. (laughs) Just the letter A. A. Which is not the report card it gets. Um, well, yeah, you know, uh, uh. I guess, okay, you know what, actually, though, but it is a funny Valentine's Day occurrence, so I guess, yeah, it's Are still Are you judging its mine. accuracy or its quality? I'm, I guess I'm, well, I, I feel like the accuracy informs the quality, because totally tool time did wasn't really accurate, well, I guess it was accurate in that the episode primarily focused on tool time. Landon, I, I have no idea, I'm this, completely unmoored. <laughs> this title game has broken you this week. No, it, well, it's been breaking me slowly over the course of a couple of years, and I think that now, I think ever since we unexpectedly won the Chalupa Challenge, I yeah. think that's really what's broken me. Like, what's what's the point of any of this anymore? Um, well, okay, we're gonna get into that at the end of this episode. But um, what, what were your impressions of this episode? What did you think, Landon? We're not quite there yet. I, we've got some info. Listen, you spend some time duct taping up your seams while I go through uh, <sighs> the specs here. Okay. This episode broadcast on February eleventh, nineteen ninety seven. Truman, Landon. Uh, oh, there's. Uh, listen. Um. Sometimes people are wrong, and it takes a big person to admit it. Oh no, Landon! You didn't fuck up a date again, did you? I didn't fuck up a date. I. This is worse. This episode is directed by a man, uh, with the name Peter Bonners. You're saying I was unfairly laughing at this poor man's name, and then I went through the trouble of 
teaching myself not to laugh at it. And the whole yes. time it was Bonners. Yes, it is spelled B-O-N-E-R-Z. But, you know, there's maybe it was out in the universe. I, I just when I was writing the notes for this, I thought, you know, I'm going to go look up an interview with him and see how somebody else introduces him. And so I found an episode of Gilbert Godfrey's podcast where he was on the Godcast. And, and uh, yeah, as soon as he said the name, I was like, I got some apologizing to do. <laughs> so you, you listen to you listen to Gilbert Godfrey say, Peter Bonners, and then you were like, oh, shit, I've made a mistake, and I had to listen to Gilbert Godfrey talk. Uh, yeah, so um, Peter Bonners, I am terribly sorry for I, <laughs> mispronouncing your name. And I'm sure it's it's one of those names, uh, you know, like being called Lando Calrissian. I mean, I'm not trying to equate the two. They're very different, obviously. But it's one of those things that's like you get into comedy for a specific reason because you you build up a specific, you know, thick skin and defense mechanisms uh, when it comes with the territory. So um, I'm sure that's part and parcel of it. I'm not trying to make assumptions. I'm just saying... I, I'm sure you've been called it a lot. Mine was not done with ill intent. I, you know, and hey, Mr. Bonner's Truman Caps here, Gruntwork Podcast. Um, I, <laughs> I, if the, the scenario I'm picturing in my head is that you heard that there were a couple of douchebags making a podcast about home improvement and figured, oh, maybe I'll listen to some of the episodes about my episodes and then heard us repeatedly mispronouncing your name and me specifically laughing at, at uh, this mispronunciation of your name. I just want to say... Um, that must have taken you back to high school, and if there's one thing I would hate, or if there's one thing I do hate, it's thinking about high school and things that happened then, so, uh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Bonners, and if we ever meet yes. in person, you're more than welcome to make a thousand Truman Show jokes at my expense. That was my personal <laughs> boner to bear. Um, so, yeah, uh, so sorry. Uh, yeah. I, can we... I think we got to send this guy some chalupas too, Landon. Our chalupa budget oh, okay. is is through the roof at this point. <laughs> well, here's the good news, Truman, is that um, you we no longer have to stifle laughter at uh, Peter Bonners, thank God. But you can laugh at the word boners again. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Now, Landon. <laughs> This episode that... was written by Charlie Hawk. That's okay. uh, that's the last of the specs. Oh yeah, yeah, Hudson Hawk's brother. Yes. Can we laugh at can we laugh at that? Can we laugh thinking about the movie Hudson Hawk? Uh, of course, always. No no one was laughing in the theater, but the thought of Hudson Hawk is enough. Um so Landon, how mm -hmm. did you feel now at long last, everyone knows what I'm gonna ask because I've tried to ask it six times. How did you feel yes. about this episode? What were your general impressions? Oh, okay. First of all, um, this isn't an impression of the episode per se, but I had a weird experience with it in that I'm wondering if I caught like a part of this on TV while I was in Florida, like uh, where like, I don't know, my mom still watches broadcast TV. Oh, so uh, broadcast and cable, cable TV. So like, it's possible it was on in the background or when I was passing by or like saying goodnight to her she was watching TV to fall asleep or something. I feel like I have a much more recent memory of this episode than watching it 25 years ago. Don't you think the, if your mom, like your mom knows you host a home improvement podcast, if she was watching yeah. home improvement, I think she would have said like, Oh Landon, look what I'm, it's your thing. I, well, she would have. Yes. 
and she may have said that and you in just, this instance. And you just forgot. No, I probably willfully said, oh, yeah, that's great. Okay, well, it's bedtime. <laughs> I, I'm on vacation from that shit. I don't want to think Ex- about it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, or or it could have been like, I recognize it was a, a later episode than where we were at and didn't want to ruin, you know, too much of the experience of uh, watching it now. So I like willfully turned away from it. That could have been it as well. For, for one reason or another, you you disregarded the episode. You stuck your fingers in your ears yes. and sang very loudly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm singing just, now. Don't just you like, like my that. voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's it's uh, it's it's really great. Sounds like sounds like Garfield out back on the uh, Howling at the Moon. Uh, I guess I'll introduce everyone to our third co-host for this week. Come here. Uh, Madison the cat. Oh, like the city in Wisconsin. Like the city I'm currently sitting in and recording from. It is also a cat that is walking around my legs. So, wait. So you're saying that the city of Madison, Wisconsin, in a Mortal Engines type scenario, is actually (laughs) a cat. Like, it's you live inside a cat. I do. Yes. You 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 <laughs> you Geppetto inside the whale yourself. Uh we we've had I think <laughs> I don't know what this says about our show. I think we've had just as many uh pets on our show, different pets as we've had guest stars or guest oh, hosts. God, you you know, you're you're right and if you <laughs> and and honestly at this point we've had way more pets as guests on the show than female guest hosts. So that's um <laughs> Fair. Let's not yeah. let's not look too hard at that one. Let's not delve too deep into uh, into that. Um, okay, here's what I felt about this episode. Tell uh, me, it was okay. Um, I, I didn't quite get it. It didn't gel how I kind of thought it would. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of premises set up, and in typical sitcom fashion, you think they're all gonna eventually play into one another. Um, like I love the concept of Tim having bought this gift, but forgetting what it is and where it was. Like I wanted to really see that be played with. Um, and the father stuff, I I know was like kind of interesting, but the two stories don't coincide at all. Uh, I just kept thinking that the woman that we'll get to meet throughout the deep dive was like somehow going to be connected to Jill's gift. Like Tim hired, you know, this woman to serenade her or I don't know what, but, she wasn't, it had nothing to do with the other subplot. Uh, so it just felt like a weird disconnected episode to me. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. I see that. I see. I kind of liked this episode, although I agree with almost everything that you said. I, I think that the, I think that the dad stuff was really interesting. I thought it was interesting seeing Tim trying to grapple with, the notion that his dad, who he idolizes, might be a more complicated figure than he actually is. Yeah, and I thought that I, was really I, cool. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then it's completely undone by the fact that the ending of the episode is like, "Oh no, your dad wasn't a complicated <laughs> figure. He was even more angelic than you thought." Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your dad walked on water and turned uh, turned water into brake fluid or something. Um, <laughs> I, you know, but I, I've, I also have just kind of realized, you know what, we're making a podcast about the TV series Home Improvement. I, you know, I can't really, yeah, I, I'm, I regret to inform you, this is not a podcast about improving your home. Um, <laughs> I got to fit two of those jokes into this episode now, some kind of record. Um, so I, I guess I'm not too uh, bummed out about that. I agree that um, I think the episode, 
I think it would have been a really funny hijinks and, and laugh em up episode if they'd just focused on Tim trying to find the mystery gift that he'd forgotten. That is... Yeah. I feel like the like season... If that, if that was the background subplot to another character's main plot, that would have been really funny. Yeah, But yeah. Tim occupying both sides of the coin, I felt like it just felt like they were supposed to be connected in a way that didn't end up happening. That's a really good point. If this was an episode where Jill is dealing with some shit and Tim is just in the background trying to find a gift for her, or if it's something going on with the boys or Al, yeah, that this would be... <laughs> because... The funniest thing about it is that it rent, it turns Tim into a squirrel who has buried a nut and can't figure it out where he put <laughs> Tim is the squirrel from the Ice which, Age movies. Which plays plays a little bit into the episode, uh, you know, uh, in the Wilson scene, but... Um, true, true, yes. Uh, um, but yeah, so, um, you know, I thought... But in spite of the fact that I felt like the ending was weak and that it was kind of disjointed, I, I thought there were just a lot of solid jokes along the way. I think that yeah. overall... Pacing was pretty good. I think that some solid acting from Tim Allen, you know, as yep. he's kind of grappling with the stuff about his dad. And I look, I thought that the ending with the monkeys reference was just really funny to me, not even because I'm particularly a fan <laughs> of the monkeys, but I think I just have a soft spot for bits in 90s sitcoms where lounge musicians play an unexpected <laughs> non lounge song. And I'm of course, this always harkens back to the crown jewel of this, which is the end of season six of Frasier, where Niles and Frasier and Martin right. have the piano player in a bar play the theme song from Goldfinger, and they all sing along. And at first, oh, Frasier thinks it's stupid. By the end, he's loving it and dancing. I, I, That's just my thing. That's my kink. Sorry, gang. That is your kink. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, this episode also has some pretty uh, A-list character actors, which I can't wait to get into. Um but yeah. let's, oh, yeah. let's do this thing. What do you yeah. say? Let's, let's not be it. sad. Let's cheer up, sleepy German. Oh, what could it mean that to a deep dive believer, we go into the deep dive? So does that? So am I the homecoming queen and you just didn't want to say that? Or uh, what? <laughs> You're the deep dive queen. I'm the deep dive queen. <laughs> Only 17. Well, from... From monkeys to ABBA and back again. This this podcast, the talk singing is really kind of metastasized into the entire it's, episode. It's slowly taking over the whole show. The, now, now that we're back to podcasting once a week, we didn't realize that that's going to further accelerate our descent into madness in a way that was briefly forestalled by going oh my bi-weekly. God. Okay. I had forgotten about that. Um, we open on tool time. Yep. Heidi introduces Tim and Al, immediately going to divert. Um, One second in. feel different? Do you, do you feel differently about Heidi now that you've seen Debbie Dunning kick some leprechaun ass? Landon, I, this is why we're friends, because I was watching her in this episode <laughs> and just thinking like, wow, you, this is the same lady, like this, you, you, you recorded this maybe eight months to a year after you said, it's just, I'm the one who gave him the boner and all. <laughs> There, see, now we're saying, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I mispronounced it. I'm the one who gave him a bonner and all, but um, yeah, it is, I, I feel like it almost makes Heidi look way more wholesome here, having seen her yeah. in a more racy and risque movie like Leprechaun 4 in space. Well, just you wait. There's a moment here that I'm going to crack open. I, I don't want to drag Debbie Dunning too much, but uh, no. something needs to be mentioned uh, in a later scene okay. that I, I think is going to make you question that wholesomeness. Um, <clears throat> wow, this is a very special episode. <laughs> Heidi introduces Tim and Al. The grunt creep is s- screwdriving? I think he's just dancing. He's, 
he has he's doing something to the remote control on the the entertainment system. I, I don't know if he was drilling or screwdrivering. I don't know what he was doing, but he was doing something to it, and then okay. he, you know, naturally falls off the counter as usual. <laughs> That's you know he's it's it's a binary system. You if you're the grunt creep, you are either uh, capering around or you are falling off of a thing. It's two <laughs> states of being. Uh, it's remodeling week, and Woo. they're talking space saving items uh, around the home. Like uh, Tim walks over immediately, like this clap rack, and he claps, and a rack bar just like, comes out of the wall. Tim hangs his jacket on it, and it retracts. Um, have you ever had a clapper? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, was I, the clapper, because I, I feel like, does the clapper still exist, I guess is a good question. And if not, if it doesn't, when was it depreciated? I mean, I, I was aware of the clapper. I don't know if I actually, like my grandparents had one, so I, I knew it and I had used it. And I, even if I didn't see the commercials, clap on, clap off the clapper, even if I didn't see that commercial, it is at the beginning of the movie Wayne's World, which I did see a lot. So I'm right. familiar with that. And there, I think there's a Clapper joke in every single sitcom from the 90s. In fact, this oh, isn't yeah. even our first Clapper joke. Remember when Tim introduced it? Uh, I think it was back in season one or two for Jill. Uh, mm. And she's like, well, what happens when the audience applauds at the end of the opera? <laughs> and then everything goes haywire. I, um, I, yeah, I mean, it would make sense that would be like a season one joke. I feel like if you're making a show about modifying your home in the 90s, <laughs> like one of the first jokes that gets thrown at the wall is like something with clappers, clapper joke. How can we use this thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Enough of the clapper. Uh, they're starting at the kitchen counter and, yeah. uh, Tim shows a, uh, pull out drawer for trash and recycling. Yep. Uh, Al shows off a, little drawer for um, uh, spindles that hold your foil and plastic wrap. Yeah, yeah. Clever, all good space-saving ideas. Landon. Here's a question for you. Yes. Um, Tim put the the trash under the sink. Um, Now, I've heard conflicting reports. In uh, in the Pacific Northwest, did you keep the trash under the sink? Uh, Let me think. Yeah, I believe that we did. Yes, my parents okay. now keep it under the sink. But actually, we here in California, we do not. We keep the trash separate from under the sink. Where do you keep the so, trash? Growing up, and now this is what the, the myth is, the rumor, the folklore is that in the Midwest, it is uh, default, you put the trash under the sink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that on the West Coast, um, it is separate. What? I mean, I grew up always in every single household. Didn't matter if you've walked into a house for the first time in your life. If you have to throw something away, you open the drawer under the the kitchen sink. Yeah, I mean, and it's almost always there. I'm now now you've got me thinking about it really hard and and thinking back to my childhood <laughs> home. I feel like it just feels natural to me that trash and recycling goes under the sink. So I don't know, yeah. like if I grew up with it that way, and I grew up in the Northwest. <laughs> Then, yeah, I think that myth is wrong. I think that's a cruel stereotype about West Coasters that we don't keep trash under the sink. <laughs> well, we even have... Though, uh, even though I do not now, but that's a different story. We have listeners uh, that literally live in every corner of this country, so I would love to hear on Twitter and Discord uh, where you keep your trash. Is it under your kitchen sink? Uh, if not, where do you keep it? Yes. Um, do you keep under your bed? I mean, it's <laughs> fine. We don't. We won't judge. People, people <laughs> in people. Maine Some love people to do. stuff it under the bed. 
Listen, Marilyn Monroe apparently like her like she would just have old plates of half-eaten food in her bed. That's that's fine. Hey, everybody does it their own way. Uh, Tim walks over and he says, um, "Sometimes uh, I keep things in a miscellaneous drawer. Um, you you want to take this joke?" <laughs> yeah, I, 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 this was one of the funnier Tim jokes uh, and the Tim sight gags I've seen. He's talking about the utility of a junk drawer. It's like, hey, you got to have a, you know, this is my favorite drawer. It's the drawer where you keep, you know, your uh, couple old screwdrivers and some batteries you don't know what to do with and some loose change and <laughs> belly button lint. And he's throwing, he's pulling open this drawer and he's throwing all these things into it. And then he just keeps pulling the drawer out more and more and more. And it's like comically long coming out of the thing. And he says, you know, your rakes and your skis and your old snow shovel. And he's got all this <laughs> stuff in it. And I loved this particularly because it occurred to me recently that my, you know, I, I spend all this money going to Ikea buying uh, a million uh, Calax units to store all of my things. And I've realized recently that that most of my organization is just a series of different junk drawers in different parts of my house. <laughs> like this is the junk drawer that kind of yeah. mainly is electronics junk. And this is the junk drawer that's kind of mainly office supply junk. But that's that's all there is. <laughs> but I wish I had one that long because then I could consolidate a bunch of junk drawers. There you go. Uh, I mean, it's so big. Tim says, uh, hey, Al, there's even room for you. And uh, Al, Al throws in a, I don't think so, Tim. But we this is a new step in the evolution of the I don't think so, Tim. Because it's not delivered as a punchline. The audience doesn't laugh at it. It's just like a matter of fact. It's it's been so long since he's done it that I think the audience has even forgotten it's a joke. I think the audience <laughs> is just nodding along like, yeah, well, that's the right thing to say there. Al couldn't possibly fit in that drawer. I, I think Al has made the right call. Could we please have a joke, everyone? <laughs> then they showed something that I'm like, oh, man, I would actually really like this. I'm surprised it's not a more common thing. There's a refrigerated drawer unit um, also in the kitchen cabinets to, like, keep, you know, things – keep your – B- b- soda frozen that's a yeah yeah Tommy that's, boy. yeah <laughs> um, uh, and also your, your also your fruits and veggies to keep them close to the cutting board and then tim goes wine yeah. beer vodka and al chimes in with and that extra liver you'll need which seems a little <laughs> puritanical coming from al like a little yeah, bit was he people... drinking miller he was drinking high lifes at the beginning of the season behind the scenes so yeah yeah, yeah you're right yeah, it's it's like lots of people have a refrigerated place where they keep spirits and beers. Like that's not. Don't look down your nose at me, Al. We can't all just you know play bingo with our moms on Saturday night. Oh, uh, they walk over to the utility room where the washer and dryer are all in one, and um, Tim pulls out a pair of plaid underwear from the dryer. Yep, he does, and makes a joke. And Al takes it from him and throws it back in and walks away. And Al pulls it back out and makes another joke. And Al takes it back from him and throws it back in. And Tim pulls it out and makes another joke. And Al takes it and throws it back in. And I want to say, I don't appreciate multiple jokes about Al's size and the size of Al's underwear. I do think the structure of them just staying on, like, Al putting a thing away, Tim just pulling it back keeps, out. Yeah. Driving that into the ground is actually really funny to me. I the, agree. I agree. I, I give them points for structure, but not for content. <laughs> uh, they walk over to the entertainment system. There yep. is, uh, so it's just like a flat entertainment system, and they've souped it up so that uh, the TV rises from it. I, this actually you know, is pretty common, I feel like, uh, these yeah. days, or at least, you know, motorized um, 
you know, uh, the entertainment doors open to reveal the TV. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this is far more common now. So this felt a little ahead of its time. I honestly, I I came, I went the other way. I feel like what's more common now is you have a big flat TV that's like mounted to your wall or some shit. I feel like back then when it was more common to have a smaller boxy TV that it would make, like this seems like more of a thing that a rich person in the 90s would have when your TV was something that would like, it was bulkier and couldn't just go mm-hmm. up on your wall and take up less space. You'd want it to drop down into a hidden area. But that's, that's just me. Oh. Could be. That is just you. Uh, um, let's, you know, you... You say you say uh, TV on a on a motorized uh, elevator is a normal thing now. I say TV on a motorized elevator thing was normal in the past. Let's call the whole thing off. Cool. Are we long, done with this episode? Long road to that joke. Yes. <laughs> um, of course, Tim has souped up the the motor in it because he doesn't want to wait the twenty seconds for it to rise out of it. So, of course, when he hits it, yada yada yada, shoots shoots. <laughs> Shoots the TV through the ceiling. It bounces off the backstage. This felt like a season two gag. I don't, I was like, this is almost the end of season six. I expect something more these days. <laughs> Look, I agree with you. This definitely felt like, um, to, to quote Al Gore on 30 Rock, recycle everything, Liz, even jokes. But at the same time, <laughs> I have to say, the stunt on a technical level executed very well. The TV shooting up out of there, debris rains down from the ceiling, and then uh, they drop a smoldering TV prop down on the other side. I mean, they they telegraphed it very well. It's totally a bit we've seen 10 billion times, but, uh, you know, again, props for execution, if not for the content. <laughs> I'm noticing a trend with you this uh, this I, week. You know, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm really big on process at this point. <laughs> uh, so we get a television guts uh, spewing at the screen transition to the theme song, and and not to be confused with the popular television show guts. That is not the transition that we get. <laughs> no, it's not. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, from the theme song, we cut to tool time behind the scenes. What a great show that was. Um, Al yep. and Tim are, are talking about it being Valentine's Day, and Al has a, uh, a present for Eileen, um, but uh, he, he's lamenting to Tim, man, I, you know, I'm, I've been so busy, I almost forgot, but I do, I do have a present for her. Yeah, and, and Al is then roasting Tim for the fact that he always forgets about Valentine's yeah. Day and oh, at the, has to buy Jill a bunch of waxy chocolates at the gas station at the last minute, but... Yep. But not to be outdone, Tim says, oh, no, I bought Jill's present last July. And Al <laughs> yes. says, oh, so the chocolates will be waxy and stale. <laughs> uh, I like Al dunking. I just do. I, I, um, and I like that Tim's response isn't to go, oh, God. oh, man, a lot of spit on the microphone when you hiss. That is gross. That is just nasty. Okay, question. Uh, first, do you guys celebrate Valentine's Day? Um, Valentine's Day. I gotta practice my enunciation. We, I'm sorry, I'm just wiping some some uh, some spittle off my mic here. Uh, we do, but we celebrate Valentine's Day by ordering a pizza and watching TV, which and and oh. uh, assiduously not getting each other cards or gifts. We both we both think it's a bullshit holiday, and we both think that there's absolutely no margin in trying to go out and do anything. So we we did we just use this as an, as an excuse to patronize a local pizza place. Okay, okay. Uh, now, this is keeping with uh, a trend. Are you guys familiar with and do you celebrate Sweetest Day? 
Wait, wait. Uh, celebrate what day? Sweetest day. Sweetest day. I have never even heard of that. Is this some weird Midwestern thing like Devil's Night? No, it might be. Now, I do think that this is a Midwestern thing. It is uh, in 2021. It is Saturday, October 16th. I don't know if that is a. No, it, it changes uh, month to or, uh, year to year. Uh, this year it's October 16th. Uh, it says parts of the uh, parts of the northern United States and in Florida on the third Saturday in October. What it's sweetest day? Sweetest day. So what is it? It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> you celebrate the day with your sweetest. But Valentine's Day the is the person that is the sweetest person in your life. But then what's what's Valentine's Day? Uh, Valentine's Day is for um, honoring those that were lost in the Valentine Day massacre. That was only like only like two people, by the way, died in that, <laughs> and they were both gangsters. <laughs> so everyone, every everyone in the Midwest, like takes takes two minutes of silence for those for those bootleggers who got shot by rival bootleggers. Yep, yep. and then we start throwing firecrackers all over the place and really celebrating the Tommy Gun experience. Okay, well, I mean that's that sounds kind of cool. Like every everybody does some dances from Chicago and stuff like that. We, we all talk like Edward G. Robinson for the day. It's uh, it's it's kind of a thing. But but what if, what if you talk like Edward G. Robinson all the time? How do you mark the day? Then you talk like James Cagney. Ah, okay, okay. Well, yeah. See, um, <laughs> okay, but no, I've not heard. So, the, so the Midwest just has a totally like how Canada has Thanksgiving, but like six weeks ahead of American Thanksgiving. The Midwest has Valentine's yep. Day, but like two days after regular Valentine's Day. Yeah. the The Wikipedia definition is: it is a day to share romantic deeds or expressions and acts of charity and kindness. Oh. Well, that don't. No, oh, it, it's just it's another manufactured holiday, just like Valentine's Day. Yeah, but Valentine's Day is just this is a day that you buy expensive things from major corporations to give to a person so that you can show yeah. that you love them X dollars amount. This one at least seems that, to have a little bit of altruism attached to it. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, if you're really ambitious, you could do that for any holiday and just say fuck the corporations, rage against the machine, testify. Yeah, yeah, uh, they did what they told you, and, um... <laughs> Wake up! Yeah, um, bulls on parade, guys, come on. <laughs> so, okay, there's Valentine's Day, there's anniversaries, there's Sweetest Day, there's birthdays. Uh, they're just trying to get, like, all the non-denominational things out there. They're like, yeah. listen, there are people that don't celebrate Christmas, there are people who don't celebrate Easter, there are people who don't celebrate Thanksgiving... How do we get money from them more how, often? How do we do multiple festivuses every year? How do we get a <laughs> festivus in every month? Uh, okay, back back to the episode. Um, Tim was also making fun of Al's underwear uh, yeah. being plaid. Tim is dressed like Al in yes. this behind the scenes. He is wearing a plaid flannel with jeans he is wearing one of al's outfits <laughs> do you think do you think that he fucked up because he, he was wearing like a he was wearing a nice suit on the show maybe his suit yeah. got fucked up like last week with the swedes and it's just al's bottomless <laughs> closet of flannel and jeans in every yeah. size uh once again bailed tim out could be um anyway tim says uh no you're wrong i didn't get her a gas station gift this year i bought one back in july mm -hmm. uh i bought it when she saw it and um i think it's gonna be great i just don't remember what it is or where i hit it yep which yep. 
and I'm rubbing my hands together like, oh boy, this episode's going to have some hijinks. Uh, <laughs> but then Heidi comes in with, uh, yep. with a message for Tim that derails what was going to be some hijinks. <laughs> some uh, low jinx yes he got a call while he was on the air the note is from liddy talbot uh says that she went to high school or tim says i went to high school with a talbot um heidi says she's only in town for uh three singing for three days at a hotel and uh okay truman i know i've diverted a lot in this episode already that's but fine. this is where this is where the wholesomeness heidi wholesome heidi goes out the window this is where wholesome heidi takes a hike <laughs> Tim and Al are getting ready to go home out of their work outfits into their home outfits. Al is straight up like stripping in this scene. He he takes off his flannel. He's got his white undershirt on. By the second half of the scene, his pants are undone and he's like tucking like deep down into it. <laughs> the deepest and of tucks. <laughs> Tim is reading this note. Again, I don't want to drag De- Debbie Dunny. I mean, it's it's Richard Carn, it's Al Borland. No one could fault her. She literally, when he has his pants unzipped all the way, she is checking him out. She her yeah. there is no there is no secret. I mean, her eyes go right to his junk. Yeah, damn right they do. <laughs> I, I mean, look, okay, look, look. Well, we can talk about character and we can talk about actor. Uh on a character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so listen on a on a character level i think that in universe it's just generally accepted that every woman on this show is really attracted to al and every woman kind of has a crush on al that's i think how the show justifies the fact that al is so frequently the butt of tim's jokes it's like no but it's okay because all the women want him i think on an acting level debbie dunning is doing the work of an actor and being like "Ooh, i'm gonna have a little business in the background and and of okay. me and because also there's been kind of a running thing with both tool girls that Al, like Al and Heidi are like close friends. I'd say they're closer yeah. than than Heidi and Tim are. And the same was the case when it was. Has he helped her build her bookcases after hours, though? Yeah. Well, I well, I mean, maybe he maybe he has, and it just didn't come up because it was the same thing with Lisa. <laughs> that was Pamela Anderson's team. Yep. Wow. So quickly you forgot. Yeah, no. Three not, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a minute, dude. <laughs> Um, no, but so I don't know. I I think that, I think that really Debbie Dunning is like, I, I give a tool time salute to her because, well, I mean, I didn't even notice this bit of work that she was doing, but I like this. She's helping to build out the world of the show and create, uh, that's good acting. I, all right. All right. I don't know. Um, I, I, well, no, I'm for it as well. I mean, I, there's no, no criticism. I mean, I think anyone in that position would do the same thing. You you just thought, you just thought it was, you you were just kind of like, you were used to having the wholesome Heidi back after Leprechaun, and then you were you have to grapple with the fact that no, even when she's not a horny space marine, she's still a sexual being. I just, yeah, maybe maybe she ha- still the actress Debbie Dunning has Leprechaun on the brain and is thinking uh, about you know what can the dangers that can come from boners. <laughs> she she's really she's really just like checking out Al to make sure that there's not a Leprechaun growing from his boner. Yeah, that, I mean that. <laughs> You see that happen. I mean, once. It's, it's one month early. <laughs> Maybe next month. She's like, she's she's checking now at Valentine's Day to make sure at St. Patrick's Day nothing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's important. You got to catch it early. If you catch the leprechaun <laughs> in your boner early, it's treatable. But anyway. Oh God. Um, Heidi then says, "Well, you know, uh, somebody once looked me up after high school, and uh, he said that he had a crush on me all these years." 
And uh, Al and Heidi start to, like, team up on Tim here. And I love yeah, this. Yeah. Again, because they're such good friends. Yeah. But, yeah, they're both going, ooh, yeah, she's going to want to seduce you. And, like, you know, maybe she just maybe she just got divorced from her husband and she wants to turn the, turn the page and add a little more spice to her life. Um, <laughs> she totally wants to jump your bones. And Tim is kind of, you know, he, he Tim doesn't ever take anything in stride. Yeah. And just kind of turns to Al and says, uh, maybe you should quit that subscription to Cosmo. <laughs> and, okay, A, the, the subscription to Cosmo might be part of what makes Al such a considerate uh, and woke <laughs> person. So may, maybe don't criticize him for that, Tim. B, I don't know what else your mind goes to when a woman who you went to <clears> high school with contacts you out of the blue 25 years later i mean that that is the logical yeah. first assumption to make without any other <laughs> evidence oh um we get a heart balloon transition to yes. home brad and randy are looking through magazines for ideas for presents for lauren and angela i guess randy and lauren are like a thing now yeah or it hasn't been confirmed uh, in universe. They're still kind of dancing around it. But uh, Brad knows what he wants to get Angela, and yep. he shows uh, shows Randy slides a magazine across the counter. It's a twenty five thousand twenty five hundred thousand dollar car. Did I say That's, that right? 20, no, no, you didn't. 000. Also, it was a two hundred thousand dollar Ferrari. So you're overstating the price just a little bit. It's actually way more By affordable. 50, yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you bad. are you trying to talk me down? <laughs> Are you haggling for the price of this imaginary Ferrari on a TV show? I'm talking you up. I'm giving. I'm adding fifty thousand dollars to it. Yeah, wow. Okay. You're. I mean. I'm, I don't know how to negotiate. I'm. I'm not a good salesman, and you're not a good negotiator. We make a hell of a pair. Um. <laughs> so Tim comes in though there, yeah. as they're talking about this and asks, "Oh, did you find your mom's Valentine's Day gift for me yet?" And Randy says, "Well, it's kind of hard to get motivated for a two dollar reward," and. Uh, <laughs> Tim, Tim, you know, is like, okay, uh, you know, we really need to find it. So $5, $10. And as he's talking them up, I'm just thinking like, yeah, T Tim is definitely one of those guys who's like, duh, because no one wants to work anymore. We have to close our Quiznos. Um, <laughs> but then, but then he, he eventually uh, raises his salary to an acceptable level, lever, level for the labor force in the area. And the boys agree to keep looking for the gift for $40. Yeah. $40. Bucks. That's, I, I would do that too. Because uh, there can only be so many places in the house. Well, I don't know. No, they, no, no. We, we've talked about I forgot past. how many, yeah, how many fuck spaces they have yeah, <laughs> built in this house. You remember the fuck spaces. And look, I need a lot more than $40 to enter even one of those fuck spaces to look for something. <laughs> Are, do I have to pay for my own gloves? <laughs> I regret ever saying the words fuck spaces. That, that just Romantic nooks is yeah. a, little, a little more... Uh, appropriate, I feel like. Listen, not to keep talking about Leprechaun 4, but you want to talk about Fuck Space. That movie had, uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit of both. So Jill comes home as the boys are heading yeah. off. She And here's some talk of Valentine's Day gift and is excited. Yeah. And she's oh, I Tim can't. Had, Tim, Tim has a really good line here because she's when she gets excited, she's like, ooh, Valentine's, what did you get me? And Tim's like, I can't tell you. Really, I I cannot, I, I can't tell you. <laughs> And so then, uh, that is a good line. And so then, you know, Tim tells her about the girl from high school, and Jill has the same response as Al and, and Heidi, kind of like, ooh, she's called you after 25 years. She probably. <laughs> she, she, she goes way off the deep end with it, and I love this. Yeah. I, it's like maybe Al or uh, Jill was studying a paranoid complex in her psychology class and like got a little too deep into empathizing with what paranoia mindsets can be like. 
She called you after 25 years. She probably just got divorced. Her kids are grown. She's feeling lonely. And she's thinking, maybe I should have just settled for Tim after all. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, then, what, I, what I love she, about this. Go, no, go. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Oh, maybe this isn't the part where she's. No, no, no. Okay. It's later that she goes kind of crazy with it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll save that for later. But um, uh, she suggests, hey, why don't we look her up in the yearbook? Um and she goes and grabs their old high school yearbook. I, I couldn't quite grasp whether it was college or high school that Tim knew her in, but because uh, I'm like, it's weird if you have a college yearbook. I guess maybe not that crazy, I, but I mean, um, I, I think I think back in the day, like back in the day, they had Facebooks that were like a book full of pictures of faces of new students. So I think, I, yeah, I think. That's... <laughs> well, I mean, high school. I have all four of my uh, high school yearbooks, but I've never. Th- heard of one for college yeah i mean yeah i think they phased out i i, I don't know I, I think it was a thing that that you know yeah maybe well i mean of course you're from the midwest so if it happened you would know about it um, um anyway they find her and uh she ends up being very hot yes as tim says yes which i thought was weird the word hot coming out of Tim in 1997 <laughs> felt weird it was yeah it was strange like you think that he coined the phrase maybe well, uh, listen, don't let Paris Hilton hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, true, true. She's very litigious and has deep pockets. Uh, so, but what I like about this, though, is that Tim is kind of reluctant, like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, what if, what, you know, he, he doesn't want to go see her. But Jill is encouraging this. I like that Jill yeah. is not, like, jealous. Well, he doesn't only want to not go see her. He doesn't remember her. He, yeah. he thinks she's attractive, but he's like, I, I have no idea who she is. And Jill's yeah. like, well, you got to find out. You got to go see what this is all about. And Tim is like, well, what if this, what if it turns out that she does want me? What, what if, what <laughs> if, it, well, no, what if, yeah. what if it turns out she wants to take me away from you? And, and Jill says, well, then have her make an offer and give me 48 hours to think it over. <laughs> Like, I, I just love that Jill is not being super defensive and jealous no. and protective. I love that Jill not is just, in in, bit. just interested to have something new to talk about. Like, she thinks this is cool. <laughs> she trusts her husband, and she's interested in gossip. Uh, we get a Cupid transition to the hotel restaurant where Liddy Talbot apparently is playing. Um, Tim is there. Yep. And orders a perfect Manhattan. Yep. And... and- Someone and, comes walking in. And and alarm klaxons blare, and the, the camera starts <laughs> shaking, and I fall off the couch, because Landon, <laughs> Landon. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's, this is Code Red. This is Garofalo Con 5. <laughs> Janine Garofalo <sighs> walks in. The <sighs> least, I, I mean, like, I can't, I knew she was on the show, but in terms, like, on an intellectual level, Trying to pair, this is like Dave Chappelle appearing on yes. Home Improvement. Like, yes. In what world does this alt comedian, uh, you know, the like David Linklater era of stand up comedians, like the epitome of Gen X? Yes. The, this, like, Home Improvement feels like what her generation is rallying against. Yes. Is appearing on the very thing that it's like, 
she's making fun of on her stand-up set. <laughs> I, I was watching this, and I was thinking, like, this episode's 1997, and I was, like, doing math on my fingers trying to figure out, like, how <laughs> how many years after this or how many months after this did she go to Pennsylvania in the middle of a rainstorm to shoot Wet Hot American Summer? Like, when, like how, how it was a few It was a few years after I, this. I, yeah. I guess they shot that in, like, 2000 for a 2001 release. But still, yeah. It, like, yeah, it's so just the last person i would have expected to see on this show it's yeah absolutely and for for a second i almost had a heart attack thinking wait is she going to play liddy oh my god <laughs> um well let's go into a character actor corner for Jeannie garofalo oh, let's. uh i okay i'm gonna ask the question i always ask did you recognize this person I, I no no Landon I was completely in the dark about about my queen Janine Garofalo. <laughs> uh, I, listen, I don't like to objectify. Um, you know, people obviously she is a multifaceted person. I've always, always had. A, I, I would say Janine Garofalo is patient zero for my type. Oh. I have always had a crush on Janine Garofalo. So, so um, Landon's type is incredibly intelligent and witty, three and a half foot tall Jewish women. Wait, tat- no, Italian <laughs> tat- women. Tattooed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like uh, her and Daria, I think are, and there's a lot of overlap between the two. Uh, we're like, that's that's what created my type for sure. Yeah. Um, Janine Garofalo. We, now, the reason I'm going, yeah. We, we both saw her do stand-up a few years ago, right? Like, were, were you there that night when... when oh, yeah, yeah. You, you and yeah. I, we were in the same... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, we were in the same... Yeah, we were in the, yeah, we had backstage passes, and then I was certainly too freaked out to talk to either her or David Cross, but that was where I was <laughs> able to observe how short yeah. Janine Garofalo truly is. Um, I was, yeah, same, same with that night. I felt like I, I don't really have, I'm not really starstruck with her. I was a little starstruck, but she also made a joke during her standup set that night that was like, uh, making fun of people that plug their ears when loud cars go by. And I'm oh like, my oh, God, do that. I remember that. <laughs> I think about that to this day. She had this whole thing about like, like pe- people who plug your ears when an ambulance goes by, it just sighs and goes like. You know, there's wars going on in the world, right? <laughs> oh, man. And I think about that every time I plug my ears when an ambulance goes by. Janine Garofalo disapproves of me. Oh, man. But I love her for it. She's so I love great. her for her disapproval. That's that's the that's the uh, bad conflict that I'm worked up in. Listen, I'm going into a character actor corner with her because I think that her credits are going to surprise you. Yeah, I mean... If you were to guess, if you were to just fathom a number, mm-hmm. how many acting credits not self appearances how many acting credits do you think she has i'm going to say 46 164 wow are are okay do are do do most of those fall pre mystery men or post mystery men oh it's yeah an even balance that's that's like the fulcrum Really? Okay, and actually, yeah. So maybe maybe eighteen months after this, she went to shoot Mystery Men. Maybe that's the real. Yep. That's the real one. Oh uh, wow! That's so let's go into her. Let's go yeah. into her movies. Uh, yeah. Mystery Men, Wet Hot oh. American Summer, Reality Bites, mm-hmm. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, yep. which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Copland, Half Baked, Permanent <laughs> Midnight, Dogma. She, oh yeah, Dogma. I love Dogma. She was in Copland <laughs> with Stallone. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's just weird. That's interesting. Keep going. Keep uh, going. She was a trendsetter in iconic shows like The Ben Stiller Show, mm-hmm. uh, 
SNL. She was a cast member on SNL for a few years. Seinfeld, Larry Sanders. She has appeared on The West Wing, 24, Two and a Half Men, Criminal Minds, some of the best Adult Swim has to offer, like Metalocalypse, The Located. She was on Broad City. I mean, she is, uh, she's a icon, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm so shocked that she was on the West Wing. I cannot believe that she was on the West Wing. <laughs> that is so weird to me that Janine Garofalo was on. Like, they knew her deal at that point, and they put her on West Wing. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I love that, like, two weeks ago, we both discovered that we were kind of big-time Beach Boys stands, and now we're discovering that we're kind of big-time Garofalo stands. This is great. This is a good new energy to our podcast. I, I saw the truth about cats and dogs in theaters. <laughs> and now and now you're cat-sitting, so evidently it made a big effect. That's why the cat is so okay. angry. It, it knows that you know the truth. You're shocked at the amount of credits she has, and I yes. told you some of the shows that you had no clue that she was in. So we're playing our meta game. Yeah. And listen, uh, we haven't figured out what the new prize is going to be. We're going to the, up the stakes a little bit. But here's what I'm going to propose. Obviously, this episode is another betweener until we figure out the prize. But here's what I'm going to propose moving forward for the next iteration of the Chalupa Challenge. Not only do you have to get the title right, mm-hmm. and not only do you have to get the meta game of whether or not they were on ER correct. But for each character actor, you have to correctly guess whether they were on ER, on Cheers, on Friends, and on NYPD Blue. The clues are now part of the answer. So I have to guess if they were on four different things. Yes. With zero margin for error. Zero margin for error. And we're going to find something to to up the ante to make this worth it. Okay, is, is, will the prize be Janine Garofalo herself at this point? I mean, that's... <laughs> Listen, she is not a prize to be won. No, she certainly is, not. No, she is She could kick woman. my ass, and I would... I would. Well, I'm not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she could, She could though. I t- I t- we've seen her up close. She, like, clearly works out. She's jacked. She's small and dense and powerful and very, very bright. Um, uh, so, that that is the new game. Okay. Uh, this is another freebie. So, okay, like I said, surprise of all of her credits, was she on Cheers? Mm, no. You're correct. That okay. might have been just a little bit before. Yeah, that was my thinking. Uh, when she was getting in. That was my thinking. Uh, there was maybe was on one, or, Cheers, one or two yeah. overlap, one yeah. or two year overlap there. Yeah. Um, okay, she was not on Fre- Cheers. But was she on Frasier? Yes. She was not on Frasier. Sorry. I could have sworn she was on an episode of Frasier. Who am I thinking of? Ghost, ghost chalupas are off the t- table. Uh, 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 the ghost So no, pre- no pressure on these two. Was she on NYPD Blue? Yes. No, she was not. Okay, was she look- on ER? Yes. No, she was not. Okay, look, folks, and maybe some of you at home are mad at me, but Michael Ian Black was on a fucking NYPD Blue episode, and he's the same crew, so it was not it's true. off yeah. base for me to make that guess. I, I don't think it was off. None of those felt off base to me. Thank you, Landon. I pre- I was right about Cheers. Um, it was less about about you and more about the versatility of Janine Garofalo. Can, I wish that Janine Garofalo could be on every episode of Home Improvement, not just because I like seeing her on TV, but also because it would be nice to have like a halftime show in every episode where we just chat about Janine Garofalo and how cool she is well, for like 10 minutes. We've talked, we have talked about her for about 20 minutes, so let's get back to the episode. She walks in, um, she is not Liddy Talbot, but she is playing in the band, 
that plays with Liddy Talbot. She is yes. the um, base for hire, so she's bringing in a gigantic standing base. Yes. Um, Tim says, well, let me get you a drink while we wait. What's your poison? <laughs> she, <She's... laughs> you take it. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't have the exact phrasing of how she did you, you, okay. you take it. Uh, so Tim's like, well, why, why don't, while we wait, why don't I get you a drink? What's your poison? Middle-aged drummers, <laughs> but I'll take a ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, also just for the record, there's no real reason for this character to be in the episode. It's literally, no. Nope. It, that's. I think that's what makes it even all the stranger that Janine Garofalo is here. It's like you wrote a role just so Janine Garofalo could – like it's a great character and it's a fun, yeah. weird bit. But it's just like, yeah, yeah, you just wanted an excuse to put her in the show and I applaud you. Um, yeah. uh, so while they're waiting, Tim gives uh, gives Tina – that's Janine Garofalo's character's name – gives Tina the story. And mm-hmm. she gives another, oh, like everybody understands that – Anyone mm-hmm. like there's no other reason somebody could contact someone out of the blue from their past. Yeah. Uh, but that seems to be everyone's thinking in this episode. But, but this time when Janine Garofalo goes, oh, Tim does it with her because he was expecting yeah. it. And it's kind of a nice like their their rapport of just them standing at the bar talking is kind of cool to watch. Yeah. Uh, then Liddy walks in and uh, <laughs> you you take this part. So so Liddy walks in, you know, attractive older woman and. Tim Tim goes up and and you know says oh oh it's it's you Liddy Talbot oh yeah just just like I remember you and she you know she says well she I, okay well first Tim has gone oh up yeah yeah different. I forgot I you're right I forgot about this part because I had a note about this as well yes Tim goes as Tim sees this woman and, oh that's her goes up to her, ah Liddy Talbot I'd know you anywhere and this is not Liddy Talbot and she just walks right past then another this woman, woman this yeah. this woman just like Tim walks up to her she looks him in the eye and after he's says his words she just looks in the other direction and keeps walking in the like i don't think tim there's not a lot you could do to be rude to tim the tool man taylor this woman is straight up rude to him to to quote tobias funke douche chill i mean it's just really (laughs) you don't need to you don't need to be that mean like it it's one thing if you're like I don't know, a, a very beautiful actress in a nightclub in L.A. giving the cold shoulder to a guy who's trying to pick up on you. But you're in a right. hotel bar in, like, Royal Oak, Michigan. You can say, I'm sorry, sir, you must be mistaken. Excuse me, please. Like, <laughs> Something. But then they'd have to pay the, the actor, so. That's it. Uh, and she's spent, just silent. <laughs> they're always spending the big bucks on, on Janine Garofalo. But then um, then another woman, an, an older woman, walks in and, and introduces herself to Tim and says that she is Liddy Talbot. And no, she is Liddy Talbot. I am Liddy Talbot. I don't know. It felt like a thing. I'm no, 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 no. I am Spartacus. Um, (laughs) But they uh, 10 chef's kisses. But then they so uh, they they start to have some dialogue and Tim trying to play off like, oh, yeah, you you know, you look just like I remember you. And she says, well, no, Tim, I'm 25 years older than you are. And she says they held you back. And she says, Tim, you went to school with my daughter, Elizabeth. And he goes, oh, but then you're the one who had a crush on me? And she's so confused. <laughs> and, and I like I like the moment because it comes back uh, as a callback uh, later in the next scene, I think, with Jill, which is really funny to me. Um, but let's go into the second of our character actor corners. Yes. And I, I alluded earlier that we have an A-list cast this week. Janine Garofalo obviously fills, could fill out the entire cast of, of that. Of course. But... This character actor, 
who buddy Anne Francis is playing Lady Talbot. She has 168 credits. Whoa. Uh, the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, almost as many as Gina Garofalo has. That's all I'm saying. Go on. What, what, the least what? <laughs> she she has four more than her. Uh, she un- sadly passed away in 2011, but oh. she has made an indelible mark on cinema history and TV history with movies such as she was she was a John Sturgis uh, regular. Mm-hmm. John Sturgis, if listen, I feel like the Tarantino heads who've gone back and like looked at. The cinema history that he's somewhat alluded to, and blah, 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 blah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Careful, Landon. I've got my, <laughs> I've got my finger on the baseball bat. I'm going to use to hit you and make you pay the Tarantino tax. John Sturgis is like one step beyond Sam Peckinpah. If you're going to start looking at that, he's made some amazing movies. One of my favorites is Bad Day at Black Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, a Robert Ryan, Spencer Tracy movie. Definitely check it out. Uh, she was in that. She was in Blackboard Jungle, the movie that started the like rebellious teenager movie. Like this is this is what led to Rebel Without a Cause. It's the birth of rock and roll. Shake Rattle and Roll was number one on the charts because of this movie. Starting oh, wow. Sidney Poitier, uh, I think Glenn Ford is in it. Uh, her biggest role, Forbidden Planet, the oh. big sci-fi. Is she the is she the one the robot is carrying? She is the only female in the movie. Uh, so yes, then that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, she was also in the John Sturgis movie The Satan Bug, which was about a plague that plagues humanity. Mm. Uh, not at all <laughs> prescient. Is that um, is that like an, I, I thought the Satan Bug was like the theater bug or the drama bug, where you like you get a little bit of Satan and then suddenly you join Satan Club, and that's really I guess what the Christians were panicking about in the eighties. Yeah. Yep. Uh, she was in Funny Girl, and she started with Jerry Lee Lew- or Jerry Lewis, not Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry, Jerry Lewis? Lewis in <laughs> Hook, Line, and Sinker as a little callback from last week. I, uh, the time is a flat circle on this podcast. Was she was she involved with the Beach Boys? Is. In TV, she was in Rawhide, The Untouchables, two Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and three Alfred Hitchcock Hours, Columbo, The Man from Uncle, Kung Fu, Gunsmoke, Charlie's Angels, Dallas, Fantasy Island, Trapper John M.D. (gasps) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting into MASH recently, so, oh, Trapper, I love him. He he drinks martinis. He's so funny. (laughs) Matlock, The Golden Girls, no word on whether or not she played a gay man. Uh, Murder, She Wrote, Wings, Nash, Bridges, and two episodes of The Drew Carey Show. Mm, Another circling back to last week. That's a lot. Yeah. Of her 168 credits, was she on Cheers? Yes. She was not on Cheers. Was she on Frasier? No. She was not on Frasier. Okay. Was she on NYPD Blue? No. You're right. And for the last of our metagame, was she on ER? No. She was not on ER. Kaboom. So two weeks in a row, we have two. We have all character actors, except for the weird one last week who maybe didn't actually appear, <laughs> that have been on none of the shows. Yeah. This, I, I mean, I, I feel like this is a purposeful uh, effort on the part of the casting <laughs> department to thwart us. We are not casting anyone from NBC ever again. <laughs> We're not casting anyone who has been on a wildly successful, critically acclaimed TV show. <laughs> it is not going to happen. Actually, I think NYPD Blue was ABC, but what do I know? Yeah. Um, okay, back to the scene. I, what does I, Liddy Talbot have to say about... I, I, was, was it, I'm sorry, I just I feel like 
if ABC was Disney owned, I feel like NYPD Blue, NYPD Blue was showing a lot of Dennis Franz's butt. Cheeks it was, and I think that's ABC. what the controversy was at the time. Really, Mickey Mouse so. was like, "Don't show me his butt, ha ha." <laughs> You know, uh, I don't have internet at the moment. Otherwise, I would be looking this up. Uh, so we'd have that answer. <laughs> yeah, you would. You would probably see some pictures you didn't want to see if you were if you looked up that controversy. Uh, count your <laughs> count your blessings. They are counted. What is Liddy here to tell Tim? Liddy is here to tell Tim that uh, she was a friend of Tim's father, that she knew him hmm. very well, and that they used to go together. And Tim goes, oh. Even after he was married, they kept in touch. Yeah, yeah. And Tim Tim is kind of reading between the lines on this and getting a little anxious. And, mm-hmm. and says, your father he changed cha- my life in a very profound way. And at this point, something happens that confused me, Landon. The waitress comes oh, wow. over okay. with a tray with mm-hmm. a Manhattan on it. In fact, mm-hmm. two Manhattans on it. So Tim takes mm-hmm. his Manhattan, and then Liddy takes a Manhattan, but Liddy just walked into the bar, and Tim only ordered one Manhattan. So did the bartender <laughs> see Tim and think, this guy's no, meeting another no. person, and she's I'm going having... to also want the same drink? I'm having high school math flashbacks. Okay, I, I'm sorry. You, if... you can't pose these sorts of word questions at me. If one Manhattan leaves the bar traveling no. at 60 miles an hour, I and another this. Manhattan leaves the, the back bar traveling at 30 miles an hour. No! I'm just saying... Why did they, did the bartender just make two expensive cocktails on spec with the assumption that Tim was meeting someone who would also, and and Liddy takes it and drinks it, and the Manhattan is kind of a particular drink. You either love it or you don't. Here's how I'm going to answer this. Um, I think it's a coincidence that it's the same drink. Uh, I think the answer is that Liddy is the resident piano player and singer for the weekend, that she told the wait staff initially I my regular drink is a Manhattan. So when you see me, that's what I want. Just bring it to me, and we'll square up the the bill uh, when all is said and done. In and, fact, uh, I think the hotel manager is gonna get that for me. So just keep them coming, baby, because I am singing in a hotel. And that's and you know and look, that's the kind of uh, complete front to back, uh, full scale pampering and service that musicians can expect at the Radisson <laughs> in Royal Oak, Michigan. <laughs> that's just that's just how they treat you there in a oh, man. suburban hotel. Um, so Tim really doesn't want to talk about his father when he starts yes. picking up these signals from her. Uh, and she's like, listen, I you really need to hear this. But then uh, Tina interrupts and says, hey, we're on in ten, uh, 10 minutes, so you better get up there. Uh, so Liddy says, OK, Tim, please stick around. Um Oh, then uh, Tina asks, uh, what are we opening with? Yeah. And uh, Liddy says, I used to have a secret love. And Tim goes... At at that, Tim, yeah. No, he says, well, you should have kept it a secret. And then he throws some cash down on the bar and skedaddles out the room. At least he paid. Yeah, true, true. He's an honest guy. Um, (laughs) We fade out to commercial. We come back. uh, Home. We're back home. Randy comes down uh, and shows Mark that he has found Tim's gift. It's a locket. And, uh, boy, what a locket it is with inside a picture of Brad. Brad? <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it turns out that he's found Brad's gift for Angela. So where, where did Brad hide it? Where was Randy looking? But, um, <laughs> I found, uh, dad hid uh, mom's Valentine gift in Brad's sock drawer. Uh, 
There's also some other mag- magazines in there that have other gift ideas, but mostly for himself. Yeah, yeah. Stay, stay, stay out of Brad's any of Brad's drawers. Stay out of Brad's room, not for Brad's privacy, but for your own safety and cleanliness. Um, <laughs> but so, so it's Brad's gifts for Angela. But Randy yeah. suggests to Mark. Brad has come in and has seen this at this point. Yeah, Randy's- Brad. Brad, like, like the logic, like, like the locket is magical. It like summons Brad as soon as it's opened. Brad comes in all like, all you know, dude, what the hell, bro? Brattle uh, juice. That's brattle my- juice. Brattle juice, and he appears. <laughs> that's my. That's my locket. What are you doing? Uh, and Randy says, well, if we put mom's photo in here, we can tell dad that we found it and split the 40. Uh, <laughs> Brad's like, then what happens to me and Angela? And Mark, with his one line of the episode, just goes, not our problem. That's an episode wrap on, on Mark, everybody. Let's give him a hand. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, and uh, I do like that if Mark is only going to have one line per episode, that they're giving him a zinger every time. At least yeah, there's that. Yeah. At least there's that. Yeah. I mean, uh, am I starting, am I hearing hints in your voice that you're starting to come around on Mark? Because I've been a champion of Mark since yes. episode one of the yes. series. Yes, you have. You have. Look, I, I am coming around on Mark for, well, okay, well, I don't, I think the reason that I wasn't as into Mark at the get-go was that a lot of his thing was built around cuteness, and that just generally okay. doesn't work on me. Now, I, what, I now part of why I'm so into Mark is it's like, oh, shit, they have no idea what to do with this kid. I'm kind of <laughs> interested to see where it goes. <laughs> I, like, what, what are you going to do with him? He's under contract. He has to be there. Give him something to do. <laughs> what lesson is he going to take this week? Um, we are chaining his uh, chair together with the other three boys. We better make use of that before the lawsuit kicks in. <laughs> Hope he doesn't turn into a goth or something. Um, That's a totally JTT reference for those upcoming bonus episodes we oh have. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, Tim comes in and he says, uh, yeah. well, has anybody anybody found uh, Mom's Valentine's gift? And Randy goes, well, we would if Brad wasn't so selfish. And then Brad just gives, a, gives Randy a head smack. Yep. And I'm like, that feels like the most Brad thing that could happen. Yeah. Like he he has embodied Brad at this point. I don't know where Zachary Ty Brian ends and Brad begins. You listen, you touch you, some you look into the Brad and sometimes the Brad looks back, you know. <laughs> we experienced that for many seasons. Uh, yeah, I yeah, tr- I've forgotten. <laughs> I no, I mean next time I see you I'm going to smack you on the back of the head and go get a terrible <laughs> haircut. Um so oh, they'll leave. Yeah. Jill comes down. Yep. She wants to know everything and Tim <laughs> Tim is clearly in a bad way because he yeah. goes straight for the hard stuff. That's right, a bag of white cheddar popcorn. <laughs> and <laughs> Liddy Talbot had an affair with my father. And and Jill goes, your father had an affair with a high schooler? <laughs> which which gets a pretty big laugh from the audience. But, you know, it's also yeah. like, well, I, you know, that is a reasonable thing to be worried about finding out. Like, that's not outside the yeah. realm of possibility. I, and I, th- this is one of the, like, recurring jokes uh, or structural things of this episode, if I'm going to be a Truman about it. Oh, um, <laughs> where I like that they have this recurring theme of people, like, missing information and, like, trying to catch up with the things that have happened. Uh, yeah. Because it, it happens a number of times in this episode, and, and that one really got a laugh out of me. I, I would um, say... I would say that generally on on this show, the plots don't get convoluted enough for there to be a running gag of people not understanding the convoluted yeah. plot. So it's nice that they make use of it when they've got it. Yeah. And then Jill goes into, Tim tells her the situation, and Jill goes into the thing I was alluding to earlier, where it's, it almost seems like she's absorbing the paranoid 
uh, mindset because she's yeah. like, she can't believe that his dad, uh, who, you know, as she understands Tim talking about him, was a saint, uh, and starts saying, well, what if Elizabeth, uh, the person you went to school with, was their love child? What if you married her? What if you and your half-sister had children? <laughs> and Tim goes, then I'd be the best father and uncle those kids ever had. <laughs> um, no, I, I really do like this. I like that there are just some episodes where Jill is just playing a supporting role and the writers are like, yeah. you know what? Let's just have Jill be totally crazy in this episode. Like, let's just have have her be goofy and eccentric and way yeah. too up her own psychology course's ass. And I like that. I, I like those kind of levity, fun Jill supporting bits. Um, we cut to the Wilson scene out back, and immediately I thought, is it opposite day? Because Tim is doing the weird thing outside, and Even Wilson comes over going, what the fuck? Landon, okay, I take back what I said about smacking you on the back of the head. I would actually wrap you up in a hug and kiss you very gently on the top of the head because I felt the exact same thing. Like, when the scene started with this kind of slow pull out from the metal detector, it's like, oh, boy, what's Wilson using a metal detector for? Oh, wait, it's Tim? What? <laughs> Tim is metal detecting in his backyard. Of course, he's looking, as, as we alluded to earlier, like a squirrel for nuts. Uh, he's looking for where he might have buried... Jill's present. It's also it also makes the assumption that Tim got her something made of metal. So yeah, yeah, which is not the case as it turns out. Uh, not to spoil the end of the episode, but yeah, uh, Wilson is flummoxed by this and goes, "Well, um, you know, if you have a cash flow problem, I'd be willing to help." <laughs> which which begs the question: Where does Wilson get his money? Um, yeah. How, how can he help? The, well, I think, okay, we already answered it. I already know the answer. It's that he takes life insurance policies out and then kills his wives. Yeah, I mean, look. It's, and then hides their bones on his walls. It's it, right in plain sight. I mean, look, it's a, it's, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it, and there's already no ethical consumption under capitalism. So, I, you know, I guess it's... There you go. Wilson's going to Wilson. Um, uh, Tim says he's looking for... <laughs> this is a great line I love uh, that they gave Wilson here. Yeah. Tim says, I'm looking for the present that I got Jill. I don't remember where I buried it. And <laughs> Wilson just very, very dryly goes, well, where'd you get her? A bone? It, it was very dry. One might even say bone dry. Like his delivery was like dry as a bone. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a great line from Wilson. Uh, 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 and Tim then relates to Wilson what's going on with uh, uh, Liddy and the bar and everything. And Tim, not Tim, Wilson explains about how oh, it would be you know, painful to hear something like that about your father. I know how you idolized him, but it's also dangerous to try and you know hold someone up to an ideal that can't exist uh, and you know it's important to think of your father as a human being with flaws uh mm -hmm. and he quotes oliver cromwell who said that i want my picture painted with warts and all and tim says my father didn't have warts just a big welt on his neck where i shot him with a staple gun <laughs> let's let's dig into that one tim you probably got a lot of guilt hanging out about that one <laughs> um but I, I was kind of uh, shocked at how quickly Tim turns around and goes, yeah, you know, because Wilson's clincher is you're always going to wonder who he was. Now that you have this slight idea that he might not be who you think he was, you're always going to wonder who he actually was. Yeah. And Tim's like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I should go back down there. Yeah. Also, I love that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just so used to living in L.A. and the idea that it takes an hour to get everywhere. But in my head, it's like, so is she yeah. doing like a four hour long set? Like he's come home. He's like, <laughs> that's a question. A I had that question, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I guess it's just, it takes 10 minutes to get everywhere in this town. And he literally came home, <laughs> talked to Jill, finished talking to Jill, went straight outside where his metal detector was like ready yeah. and charged up because he would have one like right there on a caddy prepared for him. Well, I don't, it, this is also not just like a concert. You know, she is the resident uh, singer, the performer for the weekend. So, you know, they do multiple sets in a day. True, you true. Know, you might do the pre-dinner set. You might do the post-dinner set, the cocktail hour. You might do the midnight set. So I, she might be performing up to three times a day. Yeah, because again, the the live music crowd at the at the uh, Quality Inn and Suites in Royal Oak, Michigan <laughs> is just huge. I mean, it's basically Coachella what? out there what's what's more surprising to me is that tim puts on a suit and tie twice in one day to go out to the yeah. same place and he, and he was wearing a suit and tie at, at tool time as well tim has been really gussied up today <laughs> um uh the scene ends with him what? over by the uh the fake area yes uh remember what was that back in the day you're like that's the area of oh. the fence remember yeah, the, the area that, well, like, that's, like, where the boys would always come through there if they had to enter yeah. the backyard. Or the area where they would always hide things if something had yeah. to be hidden. And I think... And, well, and we find that Tim is also using it as a hiding spot. <laughs> his his uh, metal detector starts beeping, and uh, and Wilson says, oh, it sounds like you found Jill's present. And, Wilson, and uh, Tim goes, nah, that's just where I bury stuff I blow up so Jill doesn't find it. And, um, beep, 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 beep. That's a curling iron. Beep, 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 beep. Crockpot. <laughs> and, uh, ladies and gentlemen watching at home, uh, congratulations, we found it. Whoop, 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 whoop. Trim and Caps' favorite joke of the episode. <laughs> Fans sitting in section E5, check under your seats. Uh, no, I, I, that is truly, truly hilarious. I laughed out yeah. loud. I had to pause <laughs> to laugh at it. It's a really, like the way he delivers it. It's like, nah, this is yeah. where I bury stuff. I blow up. Like it's it's <laughs> so good, brilliantly written, brilliantly delivered. A, a thousand a, a thousand comedy points. It and it's it's like you could tell the show knows. It can't keep playing the same notes all the time. It's, it's you know, like the seventh album from a really, really good band where, like, they know their stuff, they that they can kind of comment and build upon their own mythos at this point. Uh, that, like, they don't have to play the actual blowing up as the joke anymore. It's like, yeah, 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 I know. Mm-hmm. And there's something in the understatedness about it that makes it even funnier because now they're in on the joke with us. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's become just the idea of Tim hurting himself. The essence of Tim blowing stuff up has become joke enough, which is almost <laughs> better than the real thing. Uh, we cut to the hotel restaurant again. Uh, Tim walks in while Liddy is uh, working. She's singing. Tina yep. is off to the side, uh, <laughs> not playing with them. Tim goes, why Why aren't you up there? And Tina's like, it's the drummer. I want him. <laughs> and it's just, and we, we cut to a shot of the drummer. <laughs> old dude in a bolo tie. <laughs> and Tim just goes, and who wouldn't? <laughs> uh, Liddy sees Tim. And says, okay, I'm going to take five, but enjoy the musical stylings of the Hotel Shipman Trio. Um, but it's, well, I don't know. I mean, is it, okay, is this a name that they just came up with? Like, she came up with on the spot? Because Tina isn't part of the trio. She's just been hired. But she has to go back up on stage to complete the trio. It's weird. I don't know. I Probably mean, it might, yeah, I mean. <laughs> weren't commenting. That might be the name of the band that the 
like that the other two people and the regular bass player gave the group oh, I, mean, I don't know okay, i mean got it. that yeah. makes sense look i mean uh, the, the casey and the sunshine band has had so many different people in it <laughs> like there's none of the original people yeah. but they're still called casey and the no. sunshine band it's it's like that old metaphor I keep bringing up every once in a while of the axe. Like yeah. if you replace the handle, you replace the head. At one point, does it stop becoming the original axe? You, you know, I think it's when the axe can't sell out the entire auditorium at the California State Fair. That's when uh, Fair. that's when okay. it's no longer the same axe. Take that, Casey Liddy and the is, Sunshine Band. Go on. Liddy is glad that Tim came back. Um, she uh, she can't get over how much he looks like his father. Yeah. And Tim's like, yeah, he was a special guy. Yeah. And, you know, as he, as she starts to talk and as Tim starts to listen, uh, uh, Tina is playing the bass right behind him harder and harder and louder. Feet away from his head. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's as though her horniness for the drummer has made her just play bass so hard that it's, it's deafening. (laughs) They are having like musical coitus. She's she's playing bass harder and harder, and he's hitting the drums harder and harder and faster and faster, and they're sweating. And uh, listen, I, it's getting hot and heavy. I, I, and again, for, for for hotel jazz on on ABC, uh, it is getting hot and heavy. And again, let's <laughs> let's celebrate the fact that there is no reason for this character to be here. This character who is a horny backup bass player who has a middle aged drummer fetish, like. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. There's just this weird horny subplot Named Mel. was put in for His no- name is Mel. Mel and Tina. It's a veritable uh, veritable Jack and <laughs> name Diane. A, name a more iconic trio. Uh, can't. It's not possible. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, Tim Tim eventually turns around and, and t- tells, the, tells the trio to cool it so they can actually talk, which is kind of a dick move because there's a room full of people who came to hear live music. <laughs> yeah, and I know. Tim has come to this place and then tells the music to stop. Go in the other room, douchebag. Anyway. <laughs> What we didn't see is that once he stopped and everyone booed him for the music stopping, Tim stood up and said, I'm a celebrity, you know, from Tool Time. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then he sang the theme song to them. Yeah, and then he turned around and he asked the trio if they could uh, play a song about hot rods and then proceeded to list several hot rod songs that that trio did not perform. Um, But then they played Girl in a Red Corvette. So, uh, but uh, as Tim and, you know, Tim basically alludes to the fact that yeah you and you and my dad had an affair or something like that and Liddy says oh no 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 we never did that no your your father loved your mother and would never do anything to, to that effect and tim is overjoyed and he just says drinks for everybody except for these two pointing to tina and the drummer who have now taken up at the bar and are uh, getting pretty close they they are in it. Yes. <laughs> and I love Janine Garofalo's commitment to this bit. Uh, she is, like, buried in his neck. It's uh, It was funny to me. And, and you env- you envied that actor just a little bit for being able to be that close to Janine uh, to Garofalo. <laughs> I'm not going to air my wishful thinking uh, on the air. So, so. uh <laughs> and, uh Liddy goes on to say, no, we didn't have an affair. Um, it's just that I had broken up with a drummer at the, you know, uh, time. Uh, drummers, am I right? Eh? bad news. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> and Tim says, so it would uh, seem. Yeah. I just had given birth to Elizabeth, and I was all alone. I was out of money. 
and that uh, she reached out to Tim's father, and he gave her money to buy a piano eh? uh, so that she could get her career off the ground. Which would make but, Tim's dad a piano man. That's why the title makes sense. Go on. But he died before she could repay him. Uh, so that's why she's looked up Tim after all these years. He, She wanted to give him the money that uh, he, she could never give his father. Yeah. Yep, and Tim tries to refuse, but she insists, and Tim can see it's important to her, and Tim says, well, you know, my, my mom's moving back, and she wants a china hutch, so, you know, I guess this could help, and and Liddy just says, buy it, don't build it, I saw yesterday's tool time, <laughs> which is also pretty good, it's also pretty good. Yeah, uh, then we get a final, very happy to meet you, hey, you have any requests uh, before I go back up there, and he goes, you know, hey, hey, we're the monkeys? <laughs> And she says, you've inherited your dad's taste in music. Um, And then this jazz trio plays a smooth jazz version of Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys. (laughs) You you alluded earlier that this was an enjoyable moment for you. I don't know. It was weird. Weird, dumb stuff. Weird. It it is weird, dumb stuff. stuff. I don't know. I mean, Uh, it wasn't cringe like the Beach Boys because it wasn't like, hey, you all like this, right? It's more like, hey, you wouldn't expect to hear this. This is an interesting twist on this song, and it only Fair. goes on for like 15 seconds. Yeah, uh, it's awful, though. I mean, it's it's not good. I, I like it. I like Tim sitting and looking at this woman <laughs> and kind of thinking about what she meant to his father and what she means to him and what his father meant to her. Well, and having these, like he's having this introspective, reflective moment while listening to her do a jazz cover of this dumb song by an interesting band at a dumb point in their discography i think it's good landon (laughs) i i i'm on the other side of the coin in that you know uh there's there's a a, an assumption these days uh assertion these days that trent reznor was meant to write hurt and johnny cash was meant to play hurt um i think on the opposite end of that spectrum the monkeys were meant to write and perform Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys, and Liddy Talbot was not at all. She was the last person on the planet, maybe next to Tiny Tim, meant to play Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys. Oh, we're, um, we're, we're never going to agree on this because now I really want to hear Tiny Tim with his little ukulele. <laughs> hey, hey, we're the monkeys. That would be really I fun. mean, it would pro- honestly, yeah, I take that back. I would love to hear that as well. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, that's it for for basically the episode. We go to our stinger. It's tool time. Uh, L says that his uh, present to Eileen was a big hit, and I love this how this uh, this little interaction <laughs> plays with my expectations because yeah. uh, Tim then turns and tries to make it a joke and says, "Oh yeah, she gonna wear that flannel nighty on your honeymoon." And Al just kind of gets this shit-eating grin on his face and goes, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> and I love that. And and Tim says, no, I wouldn't. I was just making conversation. <laughs> Which was less funny. Yeah. But uh, Al asks, um, you ever find Jill's present? And Tim says, no, and I looked everywhere. I had to end up getting her a big rig waxy chocolate from the, the, from the gas station. Um, <laughs> The show starts, and yep. they start talking about uh, it's still remodeling week. They yep. are going to strip the paint off of an ottoman. Uh, Al says, well, you got this big piece. I what? mean, it's it's not an ottoman. It's like a it's like or, an upper. It's an armoire, I think. Armoire. My bad. I mistyped. Yes. In fact, I even didn't spell ottoman right. I typed in 
Otto Man. <laughs> no, that's a, I think that's a Japanese <laughs> like, superhero, yeah. That's a that's a mechanic, I think. Um <laughs> Al says, uh, now you got this beautiful piece uh, up in Petoskey while you're there, didn't you? He goes, yep, uh, the wife and I were there last July. They start opening it up, and he says, what I really like about this piece is that it has a hidden drawer, and he reaches inside, and he's like, oh, here it is. Here's the present that I lost and forgot that I had for Jill. Yep. And he pulls out a antique hand-painted box. It's a one-of-a-kind jewelry box. Yep. Nothing, um, none, none like it in the world. Holding it right over this vat of caustic paint thinner that you cannot, uh, you know, paint stripper that you can't touch without eye protection and gloves. Just incidental to the yep. scene. And uh, Al says, well, let me look at it. And, of course, whenever that happens, Tim drops it and yep. drops it right into this big vat. And smoke, literal smoke comes out of this thing. That is some industrial-grade strength paint thinner would you expect any less from tim though no 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 and what i what i like about though is that he drops it in there and tim just stares into the vat of paint stripper (laughs) for so long for such just a very like they let this breathe so beautifully (laughs) this is played so well and it's like i hope that this is a direction they're going with the jokes from now on because it's underplayed so beautifully tim just stares at it and then just kind of like well i fucked that up and he pulls it out (laughs) and looks at it and goes well on the upside it has a real nice grain to it yeah because when you know because it's all beautifully colorfully painted but then when he pulls it back out it's just just bare i mean it's like just just unpainted unfinished wood yeah (laughs) He does after you know when he, you know after ten seconds of staring into it. Also, he just goes, "Well, I don't have to worry about her finding it now," which was also pretty good. <laughs> oh, and that uh, brings us to the Wind Dancer Touchstone logos, Buena Vista Entertainment. We are done with the episode, sir. We're done. We're done. Um, except for one thing. There's uh-huh. one other thing. Correct. That's what? the thing. It's oh, the grunt count. The grunt count, Landon. Do you want to take a guess? I have a guess. Yeah. I have an answer. Not okay. a nay, not a guess. I have an answer. Okay. Well, well, let me know what your answer is, and I'll see if it's right. It's a big fat zero. Yeah. You know, Landon, again, uh, your end of the Chalupa Challenge, I feel like is oftentimes a lot easier than mine, because while there's no rhyme or nope. reason to who was on ER, there's uh, pretty often you can just, you can guess that there were no grunts in an episode. <laughs> <laughs> like we're at the point where we should change uh-huh. the name of our podcast to like Truman and Landon talk about a number of topics, maybe thirty percent of which are home improvement, rather than grunt work. Because flows, we're, flows off the tongue. Yeah, it, it does. It does. But I mean, we're not we're not counting grunts. We're not. You know, we're working. But <laughs> there, it's there are no work. grunts to count. No, yeah. there's not. Yeah, we're just sitting here waiting. Um, and I'll tell you something else. Because we were every other week at the first half of the season, I I've, I literally have no clue what episodes even began this season. I, I They've blended into season five for me. So to think of what an end season count would be, I, 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 I don't know that I could come up with it. I think the first the first episode of this season, that's the one where Tim soups up the dishwasher and it shoots the fork out and it sticks into the wall. <laughs> And he and uh, yep he he takes his shirt off at one point and is like trying to fix the the electrical thing and he shocks himself. Oh, so there Mark, were there were grunts in that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Mark is like Mark is like uh, like like 
four years old and and he's helping out too yeah but (laughs) for those of you who haven't been here the whole time that's the first episode of home improvement more jokes than i'm explaining uh so i'm i'm curious what the the end stats are going to be this week it's uh yeah it's something else um okay we finished that we're going to go into a little post amble i've been uh uh hinting at these chalupas yeah all episode and guess what buddy (laughs) what we've got some answers for our chalupa challenge that we won two weeks ago (laughs) we figured this out we have chalupas ready to go for you guys. Oh, boy. They're, they're primed and loaded. They're filling up my apartment right now. <laughs> okay, here's the deal. Those of you who were patrons, when... And listen, I got the list. I know who it is. Don't you dare try to sneak in after the fact. I got the list, guys. Oof. If you were a patron of our Patreon, during the Chalupa Challenge and us winning it, you are eligible Four chalupas, and we got them ready to go. What you need to do, uh, in order for me to send them to you, uh, and I'm not going to, okay, listen, I'm not going to send you a real chalupa in the mail. I'm not going to send a messenger running down the street after you saying, hey, I got your chalupa here, and then hand you a wet chalupa in your hand. But, but I'm not going to do that to you. But folks, wouldn't it be kind of cool if you did that? Like, what other podcast <laughs> sends you a chalupa through the mail? Would cereal do that? Would 99% Invisible send you Mexican food? No, they wouldn't, because they're inferior no, they podcasts. Well, and technically, we're not either. We're sending them Taco Bell, not Mexican food. Um, yeah, tomato, tomato. In order to claim your chalupas, you need to send me your email and let me know that uh, that you want them, and I will send you uh, through Taco Bell. <laughs> and and uh, side note, Truman, uh, I think <laughs> Chalupa Challenge just sounded nice, and we we joked about chalupas leading into it. Uh, I think. Whatever we choose for the next game, let's have it be something that we're more aligned with than Taco Bell, because I'm not necessarily a patron of Taco Bell uh, anymore. Well, um, now our patrons are. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's it's a weird alignment. So, like, I'm going to send them, you know, I, we're true to our Chalupa word. We're going to send them Chalupas, but... Uh, <laughs> I, wait, also, let's are, pick something that we're a little more uh, aligned with. Uh, uh, fair, totally fair. Also, like our chalupas, like our, our chalupas, like the most expensive thing on the menu. Like, like a regular taco is two fifteen, but then a chalupa is forty three dollars. <laughs> Did we really uh, set ourselves no. up for that? No, no. I mean, it's it's a little bit more than your basic ass taco, but um, you know, that's what you get when you get the the crunchy soft taco shell. That, that's that's what you get when you do a one off bit that suddenly becomes a <laughs> epic running gag and contest over the course of two and a half years this is the absurdity that you listen to grunt work for so that's why they're listening huh okay back to the instructions if you are eligible and you know who you are send me your email if you want to claim your chalupas and i will send you uh your chalupa um claim code and you can then get your chalupas any way you want them. Order them online. Take it to the store. Uh, the instructions will be sent to you. But I need your email address in order to do that. My, so, um, And my uh, my jazz trio, by the way, is called Chalupa Claim Code. So please see us performing in Royal Oak <laughs> at the, at the uh, Biltmore. Go on. Send your email uh, and say, yes, I want my Chalupas to info, I-N-F-O, at gruntworkpodcast.com. That is the full word of podcast, grunt word, grunt oh, work, Lord. podcast, 
www.thebeardsmaker.com. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I was sipping on. <laughs> I, I don't know why I had to co-sign that with a yes. Like, I landed and planned all this. I'm just here. <laughs> uh, so... Chalupas are on their way, and we will be thinking of a new prize for our new gussied-up version of the blank challenge moving forward for the next half a season and beyond. Maybe we should, so, um, we should call it the Chalupa yep. Asterix Challenge. Like, it's because like, the name is too good to pass up, but just, like, Asterix, Chalupas do not actually represent Chalupas. Chalupas are something different. <laughs> Uh, before we go into our outro, um, we have some new patrons, and I want to, I feel like we missed a few um, in the, the various days we've taken off, our mid-season, so I just want to call out uh, a thank you to all our patrons, um, particularly, particularly, oh god, I can't even speak normal words, here I go speaking names, so um, fingers crossed. So this is because we're going to lose all the, all the new patrons. Uh, Arihana. Uh, or Ariana, uh, there's a, there's a J in there. I listen. Nice. I will do corrections and omissions <laughs> if you correct me on how to say your name. Um, Ariana is uh, a new patron, so thank you, Ariana. Ar- Ariana uh, Garrett. I don't believe we've called out Garrett before, but Garrett, no. thank you for being a patron. Thank you, uh, Spencer. Spencer has been a longtime patron, and then wasn't, and now is. And then wasn't, and then was again. Uh, he he so, wants to have it both ways. Yeah. <laughs> our on again, but, uh, off again patron Spencer. I I love Spencer. I love all of our patrons, and listen, I do too. We understand it's it can't be. Sometimes it can't be a consistent thing. I've done that with many of my own uh, patron things. So it, it's been do a what, weird do whatever, eighteen months. Yeah, it has. Do whatever feels comfortable for you, uh, Spencer. We appreciate your patronage, Robert. Um, what I love about Robert is he likes. Our episodes on Patreon, oh. <laughs> and it's it's a good indication of what topics work and what topics don't. So thank you, Robert, and of course, uh, Laren. We've called out before. I mispronounced her name, which I'm sure I'm doing to Ariana. Um, Jessica. I don't know if we've ever called out Jessica either. So thank you to Jessica. Yes, uh, thank you, Amber. Manbach. Yes, <laughs> Mason, Farah, TJ, Kirsty, John, Cheyenne. And uh, longtime patron Tara. Yes, all of you. So much love from from. I mean, well, yes. obviously from Landon, but also from me. I wasn't directly make... speaking for every one of those, but my love goes to you as much as his. <laughs> you make the Chalupa Challenge not only possible but worth it. Yes, we do it. We do it for you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take on the stress of trying to guess which TV <laughs> shows from the '90s various character actors were on were it not for knowing that it might and result in something good for you fine people we have seen the stress that it has caused you at times you you have walked away from the mic many a time yeah, we, uh during a very stressful er game so. you, you make it sound like walking away from the mic is is like a drinking problem or, or like or like you know i mean in the podcast world what is there you are literally stepping away from the very thing that you need to be engaged with what more extreme act could you do on a podcast than walk away from the microphone i guess you're right i guess i'm a pretty extreme dude after all that's that's true <laughs> But listen, you know what? I'm again. I'm happy to push myself to the extremes. Wear your helmet and pads for all of you because because they're cool. Um, but yeah, happy to do it for you all, and I'm happy to keep doing challenges of some sort to try and get more good shit for all of you fine folks who who support us and have supported us and 
continue to support us and maybe will support us in the future. Uh, yes, because grunt work is made possible by our patrons. Yes. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create this show and create Chalupa challenges for all ages and sizes and races and uh, creeds, uh, sexual orientations, <laughs> gender, consider, you know, yeah. Consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever, whichever of these services you listen to us, uh, because it's the easiest way to support us, guys. You don't, it doesn't cost a thing. You yeah. could just leave us a five-star rating and drop those five little Mario stars onto the device and it tells people, hey, this is a show worth checking out. So please do that. We appreciate it. Or you can stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at GruntWorkPod. Or you can visit us on our website at http colon slash slash GruntWorkPodcast.com. Actually, that is right. Now, I know a long time ago I took you to task for the www, but... This is a important distinction. We are an HTTPS. Oh, that's not good. An HTTP. That's good. Well, it's good to be HTTPS. You got to be secure in this yes. in this world of ours. Absolutely. Yeah. No more Russian uh, hacking on our website. Not that that was ever a problem. <laughs> Gruntworkpodcast.com, where you can find other information on today's episode and sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released, which is on Thursday. So until next Thursday, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement, I have been Landon Solano. I have been Truman Caps. And remember, everybody out there, please, before we play our last song, tip your waitresses, take care of them. They work really hard out there and uh, they make nights like tonight possible. So, okay, this is uh, Deacon Blues by a little band called Steely Dan. And one, two, three.